Turn with me again to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. I'm still full from the baptism. That never gets old. It just doesn't get old. I shared with Mike Poodle, which I'm so thankful for. It. Helps in every baptism. He's back there. He's always helping with robes and everything else and power. And Ryan being back there. And I shared with him afterwards some startling statistics. We're so blessed to have student pastors and coaches and teachers and friends that pour into these young people's lives. And not just these three, but the other students that have given their life and been baptized recently. The average, there's 45,000 some odd Southern Baptist churches and uh, roughly half will not baptize anyone this past year. They did not baptize any. The average over the entire convention is about two per church. We're just blessed. Not that we've done something special, but God's doing something special. And so, you've taught, you've worked with the youth, you've cooked, you've done other things to help with buying cakes for an exorbitant amount of money to send kids to camp and other things like that. And you feel like you don't matter some days and it seems like there, there's no focus, there's no purpose. You just saw it. You just saw them. I watched Chicago's life change again. Literally. Right before our eyes. One who was kind of standoffish and believe it or not, she can actually be quiet every once in a while. We saw a glimpse of that this morning. To being a sister and dear friend. How God changed her life. Watch these young men as God touches them. May we Continue to love and share the gospel. This morning kind of goes along with that. I want to stay with the wise men, the Magi, for this Sunday. We talked about them a little bit last week, and there's a reason why the cliche is there's a reason they call them wise. Because they come hunting Jesus. Amen? All right, now listen. These wise men were not unlike us. So I want you to hear this. When they came from the east, no doubt, they're much like, they were much like us during this season. Think about it. They were busy. They were on a mission. Listen, you don't want to go shopping with my wife around Christmas. She's on a mission. You can't just stop and look at something or she will leave you in the dust. I got things to do. Man, it's amazing how much she can get done a certain amount of time. You watch women, you know, they get in the kitchen or men that's got to get something done. They're on a mission. Make you literally say that. I'm on a mission. We got things to do. And where it would take me three hours to go to Dollar General just to get a gallon of milk or something, she can go to Walmart, Dollar General, go have Edgar, do this, 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 this. And have it all done in about 36 minutes. I mean, it's, but she'll, I'm on a mission, and she gets it done. These guys had no other interest but to follow the storm. They had a job. They had a mission. 
they were on. And so they were traveling. Many of us will travel during this time. Right? You got places you got to go. You dread the traffic. My brother-in-law John's with us today. He said last night, traffic usually takes like three hours to four. He said, man, we got right there at the river right at the state line. And it just backed up on 95. And, you know, we traveled Thanksgiving. I told you it took us 10 hours to get home here from Pigeon Point because of the traffic. Some of you will have to do that. You'll, you'll travel to states. You'll travel to cities. These guys will travel. They were away from family for the most part, but they were visiting friends. They would see people along the way because these were learned men. They were men. Look, if we had to try to put a contemporary thought, these were men that would be like what we have studied that Galileo was like. We studied the stars. Jell. They were no doubt men of philosophy, men who were respected for their, their thinking and their, their idioms and the way that they presented things, much like a Plato or Socrates. These were men of great respect and, and understanding of the world. And as they studied the stars and other things, Many believe that we literally take our calendar and, and the way we set up our years based on their study of the stars and our universe. They no doubt knew many people because of this, and so they visited friends and foes alike. Some of us kind of dread going to some family things because there's that one cousin there. You know what I mean? And uh, there's that one that we're just like, man, I just, I don't, I don't know how I can. Lord, just give me the power and the strength and the humility to suffer for Jesus. There are many, listen, young people, they were like us. They were dreaming, seeking, and hoping for their gift. How many of you have rattled a present so far this year? Me and Bruce under the tree, Allie's honest. Alexis has rattled. I mean, that's that's part of Christmas. There's nothing like a good box shake. Ori's been shaking, Goldie. My Darius too, I expected from you. Nothing like a good box shake. Because we're excited. What's in the box? And we wrap it up. I love surprises. But now look, if you're going to wrap my present, and I'm going to say this knowing this is what's going to happen, if you ever do, but why do you take the box on every side if you're going to wrap it? My sister-in-law does it despite everybody on the universe. She's going, and she's blind, because she knows how to pay. She's going to take every side and then wrap it. When I get through it, I won't be able to rip it open, and that's usually what I do. I just rip the box. I can rip around the table. I'm excited for the gift that's there. I look forward to tomorrow to tomorrow to see not only my gifts, but to see what those that I give gifts to, to see their faith. The older we get, we like that though. Right? The older we get, it's more, it literally we learn, it's more fun to give than we see. It, it really is. I'm gonna tell you now. That wasn't necessarily the truth when I received the cup 
crock pot, homemade chocolate, hot chocolate with whipped cream and shaved Hershey chocolate on the top of it. And one of our uh, girl student Sunday school classes this morning. I'm not going to snitch out who made it because I want to keep that to myself. But listen, are you excited about tomorrow at all? Or are you too old for it? Does Christmas do nothing and it's just something you dread? You see, Herod dreaded the news. But the Magi were excited. They come riding into town, they're like, where is he? They were excited. Today I want us to look at these wise men and the ABCs of a real Christmas. I know it's simple, but I'm a simple guy. ABCs of a real Christmas. Matthew chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born. That do anything for you? You know, listen, I can remember back in the day, men gave out cigars when the wife had a baby. And then we got physically conscious and we started giving out bubblegum cigars. Then we got really smart and started giving out stuff we used. And so I gave pink golf tees when Emily was born. That's cool stuff. That's, you know, that's we're excited about that birth. But what about, listen, that verse ought to absolutely make us want to shout because this is the foundation of our life. Now, when Jesus was born. Jesus is real, church. I asked all three of them back there, I said, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Because we're not going out there and doing the ceremony. We are symbolizing who Jesus is in us. Do you believe in Jesus? And all three said, yes. You heard of that. I can't tell them they're saved. Only they can know that through the blood of Jesus Christ. And first of all, they've got to know now Jesus was born. He was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Say, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For have seen his star in the east and are come to worship As we begin looking at the ABCs of the real Christmas, we ought to start with a star. What's the first letter we teach our kids in the alphabet? A. As we start by admitting some things about the reality. Listen, if you ever come to a point where you start thinking that you're above the understanding that the Bible is too simplistic, it's a fairy tale, and you're smarter than that, always remember, here's a good ground rule. You're wrong. And if you feel like you're still right, remember step two. You're still wrong. And then drive by a funeral home and ask yourself this question. Why do we have those? Why do we have a funeral? Drive by a hospital and say, why do we have those? I'm being, I'm being honest now. I'm not being facetious. Why do we have a hospital? Because people get sick. 
Right. Why do we have a funeral home? Why do we have a cemetery? Because people die. What people? George Bernard Shaw, I believe, or Ralph Waldo Emerson said that statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of every one person dies. Why is that? Well, it's just an evolutionary problem. Darwin lived on an island because everybody else thought he was crazy. And living there made him crazy. And there's every possible way to refute evolution. If evolution is real, then there's got to be a God. Because something had to start something. And in the beginning, God. And so we understand Jesus is real because we're real. And because we're real, listen, there cannot be an uncaused cause. And if we are a cause and we exist, then there had to be one who caused it. If there is a creation, thus, i.e., there must be a creator. If there is a design, there must be a designer. And because we know we are a design, we are a creator, being and that we're flawed, that we have sin in our life that causes death, then there must be a creator. And if he created us sinful, then he can't be a holy God. And if he's less than good, he cannot be great. So he could not have created sin, but that we corrupted that which was perfect. And so we begin by having to admit there was a need. There is a need for a Savior. They had to understand, saying, where is he that is born, King of the Jews? Now, how would they know he would say that? How would they know? Because they came from the east. They were not, we established this last week, they were not Jews. They were not raised on the Torah or the Talmud. They did not fully comprehend the depth of Judaism. They were not Hebrews. They did not understand what the Passover meant. They did not understand what Esther had went through. They had no idea what a Paschal lamb was. But they understood enough of the scripture and enough of the historicity of man and the sinfulness of their life that there was one to be born king of the Jews. You see, in understanding the need for a Savior, we know there's a broken world, right? Have you seen the news lately? I would advise taking it small, you know, it's like really strong medicine, don't overdo it. You know, I used to be the kind of three ibuprofen will help, five will knock it out. Then I started to understand that's you know, probably not wise. Sometimes a little dab will do. We need to understand that we live in a broken world. You take just a little snippet of the news, any part of the news, and look at the de desperation of the world. We hear about possible world wars with North Korea and all of China and, and, and Iran and, and America and all these other issues all over the globe. We hear about embassies being moved and United Nations votes. We hear about all that. We hear about the, the despicable acts of people. 
on one another. Anyway, I hate to say this, but the truth is, we'll hear about somebody shooting somebody else at a family get-together on Christmas Day. I remember last year it happened in Savannah. Once again, because sometimes when we come to see families, we're really seeing problems. The truth is, we live in a broken world. If racism exists yet, so does. Does socioeconomic bigotry exist? Yeah. Where people look down on other people who don't have as much as they do. It's not just about color. It's about how we live and what we have, what kind of jobs we have, what kind of people we think we are. And one of the worst, worst lies perpetrated on the church is the world telling us that as believers, we're better than lost people. The truth is we're saints, but we still need a Savior. Amen? Without Jesus, there is no hope. And we've forgotten what it felt like to be on our way to a sinner's hell. We need Jesus. It's a broken world with broken people. I don't know about you, but people aggravate me sometimes. Oh, that don't bother y'all? I went shopping for a quick minute with my kids. Right. We went in the Statesboro to look for something. And right off the bat, right off the bat, I'm walking through there. Now, you know, I'm not the biggest person in the room, but I'm 6'2", 205 pounds, a sweet soul. I mean, it's hard to miss me. You know what I'm saying? But you walk in, y'all ever experienced this? You walk in and somebody just, they run up in your grill. And they act like you're not even standing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Huh? Yeah. 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 All right, so, so you, you're going to walk into the store right here, you mind your own business, you know, you got your little comfort zone, and this is what they do. You still walk. And they want you to stop, right? They want you, they're like, I'm here. You can just get out of the way. They make you mad. I like to punch them out. Not you, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I told my kids, I said, I'm going to drop somebody. Because I'm not moving. I'm not moving. They won't run. I'll drop them. Especially if they're young. I'm not going to hit them, but I'm just going to keep off. Boom! Drop them like they're hot. Here's the deal. That Christ life, I don't know. I think Jesus would do it kind of thing. But he dealt with some. My point is, the world is aggravated. But you know what I've done? You hear me now? I've been driving down the road and hear somebody honking and realize I cut them off. You ever done that? You know, you know when you're so mad when you when, when somebody that have you ever done it? Oh, well, they just need to let me go. It's me. But somebody knew you, you're honking and telling them they're number one and everything else. 
Can I clue you in on something? Somebody don't like you. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You're not rich enough. You're not this enough. Somebody don't like you. Because we live in a broken world. You see, they had to admit there was a need for a Savior. And in doing so, they had to admit there is a Savior. Because if there is a need, then there must be a Savior. He's a holy God. He tells us. We look back at the verses prior in chapter 1, verse 23. He said, The Holy Virgin shall be the child and shall bring forth the Son. And they shall call His name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. There is a holy God. All joking aside, there's a holy God. And a holy God does not accept your heaven travel voucher that's got written on it, will you be my heart? You knew I was sincere. And you knew that, that, that I, I, I was really a good person. That I gave to missions and got baptized and sang the choir. That's not what's going to get you to glory. The only travel voucher from here to there is through his son. Because he's a holy God that demands sinless sacrifice which you cannot provide. We've got to admit there is a Savior. Because he's a holy God, Jesus is God with us. Emmanuel. But he is our hope for man. He said he would call his name Jesus. Which means Jehovah saved. The Son of God who came from his heavenly Father in heaven being God, Emmanuel became a man that he might be Jesus. That God would save sinners like you and me. We must admit there's a need for a Savior that God has given us one. Second of all, they had to believe. They had to believe that he was their Savior. You cannot get the glory because your mama said Jesus is her Savior. You cannot get to heaven because your name's on the roll at Eastside Baptist Church. Listen, everybody in Baptist County's name's on this roll. <laughs> I ask people all the time, where do you go to church? Well, I'm a member of Eastside. Really? I've been pastor for six years, never been. But they are. It always astounds me. I'll read the obituary and it says, Member of Eastside Baptist Church. And then I ask people who's been here 20 years, I say, oh, I don't have any clue who they are. I'm not being ugly, I'm being honest. Having your name on the roll at Eastside Baptist Church will not unlock the secret code of the gates of glory. See, you've got to believe it's your son. And you got to tell it. Well, God just, God just understands. I, have you ever had a point where you got on your face before God and understood that Jesus died for your sin and you told him, I'm a sinner, dying on my way to hell without your blood. I will not be set free. Father, I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me. I repent of my sin. No, but I've just always 
did. Well, you don't remember when you was two? Does anybody remember when you were two? If you say, yeah, you're lying. You don't remember when you was two? You think you do because you saw pictures when you was two. And so you remember the picture when you were two. No, you don't. You don't even remember what you had for lunch yesterday. He's thinking now. <laughs> Listen, you remember when you was born? I tell people all the time, I was born in the same hospital where my mother was, so I'd be close to her. <laughs> I don't remember. Matter of fact, my mama don't remember. Back then, they put her to sleep. Well, they did it. It wasn't all this touchy-feely, cool, granola stuff where we all just sink in by y'all and sit around the room and act like nothing's really happening. No, they just put them to sleep. And so she said, I didn't even hold you until like two days after you were born. Here's the deal. Jesus came for them. Just like he comes for We can't go through life thinking that it's all this way and we talk about how we change with the millennial thinking and all this. Because every generation's got something. But the truth is, Jesus is the Savior for every generation. They came to him with excited obedience. Look in verse 9. When they had heard, when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Listen, they came to him with excited obedience. When you got up, you got up this morning, were you excited? Comes to the house of worship. Or did you think this is just if we just get through this, we won't have church tonight, we'll go do all. Listen, I love family, I love Eden, love all the goodies of Christmas. This is what it's about. It's about worshiping King Jesus. It's about that. It's about bringing a gift to God. What's he saying about? It's us coming to Him, saying, You're everything. You're my everything. It's all about you. It's all about you. Even before the manger, before the foundation of the world, you are God. When this world comes to a screeching halt, and there is no more bad news, and when every tear shall be dried, and when every disease is done away with, and there's a new heaven and a new earth, God will still be sitting on the throne. Church, it's us being excited about Jesus and being obedient. It ought to excite us to tell people about Jesus. Some of you ought to watch excitement way. Maybe you were excited to leave. You're excited to be part of a group. You're excited about telling others. And through the busyness of life, the excitement has waned. It is polished. It's kind of wall. 
He must be excited, just like the wise men. They didn't understand fully about everything going on. They were excited. They'd see the star. They knew something was up. And when they came, listen, in their belief that he was their Savior, that he came for them, they fell down before him. Have you outgrown your humble recognition? What I was talking about earlier. Did Jesus die for you? Jesus was born for you. Jesus lived for you. Have you outgrown your humble recognition because you can quote more scripture now and that you can do more things and that you've made more money you're able to do more things you're a leader senator. Have you outgrown a humble recognition that without Jesus you have no hope? Have you outgrown? Have you outgrown the humble recognition? Have you outgrown that excited obedience Many of these children get up in the morning and it will be everything in the parents' power to wrangle them from going ahead until they get the camera and everything ready. Y'all know that, right? Is that the kind of excitement we have? Can I be real honest with you? I don't always feel like that. And I'm ashamed of you. There's days where I don't feel real safe. Then there's moments in my life where the rubber meets the road and it seems like everything in the world that I touch goes wrong. Everything. Everything. But no matter how I feel, that baby was still born from the virgin. That star still shone brightly over that house. Those wise men still came to the Savior. We must come in humble recognition, falling on our face before God, humbling ourselves before His mighty hand. That He is all we need. And when they did that, come excited, man, after this long trip. And remember now, they didn't call an Uber. They didn't go on net jets. They didn't even fly coach. Whether it was a camel or not, I don't know. I don't know that it ever says camel, donkey, whatever. Or as I know, they walked. There's a lot more people did a lot more walking than they did riding back in those days. And it wasn't just a day or a week. It was probably months that this journey took place. Because Jesus was probably somewhere between one and two years old when they finally reached the house. He was not still living in the man. Notice, he didn't, he didn't say when they got to the end. What does it say? When they came to the house. When they came to the house, they fell down and worshipped him. Are you willing to put in the hours, the diligence, to keep living for the Lord? When we come this Sunday next year, your excitement is going to have to grow for who Jesus is. And you're like, will you even still be in church? There are other things that may be tempting you to go somewhere else, to do something else. You see, when they came in humble recognition, what did they do? They worshipped him. 
It says, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child and fell down and worshipped him. And what did they do? You don't know what God got for Christmas? They presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And there's a lot of speculation on what these gifts symbolize and mean. That's fine. I'm not going to go into that, but what I do know, they weren't cheap. They weren't cheap. And I believe that there's a significance, I really do, just like the woman who took and broke open the alabaster box and anointed Jesus being symbolic of preparing him for his death. And they chastised her for it. And Jesus said, be quiet. She knows what she's doing. Am I not worthy? I want to ask you today, when you wrote or haven't wrote your Lottie Moon check, is he worthy? Is he worthy to tell unreached people groups in the world that Jesus died for them? Is it worth helping people in Indonesia and Haiti? I've met them. They're working. They're working. Is it worth sharing the love of Jesus with people in Central America, South America, and Australia? Europe. How about this? Is it worth sharing it with college students at Georgia Southern? Because your dollar that goes to the Georgia Baptist Mission Board comes back to our Baptist campus ministry to share the love of God. Yeah, what's a soul? I want to ask you. I've got some pretty cool stuff this year. See what y'all have got? That's pretty good. Coming from Van. Just like the song director for the epic. I don't even know what to call you. Hey, Brian. I don't know what I'd call Brian. You know, I'm going to speak. I love it. There it is, man. You got it flowing. I love it. You know I love it. <coughs> we must love him and work. I want to ask you this question. What is Christmas? Christmas will be bring him. What's God like? What's God like for Christmas? Ask yourself that right now. Mike, I don't know about you, but don't write it. The harder it is to shop for people like your wife or them shop for you. Because I would almost guess when your wife asks you, what do you want for Christmas? I mean, I want to go get No, you don't say that. That's why it always scares me to ask you. Because she's readily available to offer up. And I thought they got rid of the Sears, <laughs> Sears Wish book. She, back this year. she used to write. Just remember. Y'all remember those? How did y'all mark? You served them or? Hold them down. You know what I got what I finally started doing with it to make sure? Because it was big, but it was like an Atlanta telephone book. I just ripped the page out. 
Stack my pages up. I don't care about what my brother looked. It happened to be on their page. There, so I got a good first. I just read the page up. And I said, man, it's this. Look, I want to save you all the help and energy. I'm just going to give you the pages that's got it on. Can I tell you what's on that page for the Lord? You flip that page over. It's got to be a picture. It's got to be a Those of you who have never confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He died for you. Those of you who are saved and bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, He wants you to be sold out. And it's not about giving up something, it's about gaining everything. It's the joy of serving a God that loves you. It's authentic action. Maybe you may have said that, but you know what she wants for Christmas? The same thing she does for her. She said, I just want my family here. I just want to hear your name. That's what God wants. He wants his family happy, serving in fullness who he is. Look, see, they had to consider two things. First of all, look at verse 12. And being warned of God in the dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. You see, they had to consider the world doesn't know them. You've got co workers that. Friends, hear me now. This is really, really, really important. You've got family members that you will see tonight, tomorrow, this week. Hear me now. That if I said, are they believers? Well, I think so. Why do you think so? Is there any evidence that says they know Jesus is their Lord and Savior? If you had to be honest, you have to say, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know that my cousin knows Jesus. I don't know that, that my friend at work knows Jesus. We get along good. We go out to eat and, you know, we exchange gifts. But do they know Jesus? You want to give somebody the greatest gift of them all? Give them Jesus. So, well, preacher, you don't understand. You're a preacher at all. I got family. I got family. I know. I got friends that are not in church. Got lost friends. I know it's hard. But it's only hard up until the point of when you do it. And then you start realizing, you know what? All I got to do is be obedient to God with this. We've got to consider the world doesn't know it. We can't just expect, don't fly hard because somebody tells you happy holidays. They don't know the Christ of Christmas. Tell them. Instead of blowing hearts at I don't say happy holidays, I say Merry Christmas. Well, that's a great way to show them the love of Jesus. <laughs> it's to chastise them for wishing you happiness. That's, that's God. Hey, look back there and say Merry Christmas to you too. And if there's an opening, share the love of Christ with you. Emily was coming home from 
college for Christmas. She got on Kenichi Road, 20 miles from home. Praise the Lord. I always pray for her safety traveling. It was snowing to beat the band up there, and I prayed for her to just let her get out and not get snowed in. She got out all right and got out of the snow pretty quick and come on home. And I talked to her, and she said, I should be there by 4 o'clock. So I'm watching, and I said, okay. In about 20, 25 minutes till 4, about that time, my phone rang. That is it. She said, hey, my car cut off. I said, okay. She said, I'm on Canucci Road. Just across the interstate, the car cut off. Crank back up, it's making off the wall. I said, okay, I'll be there. Jump my truck, but praise the Lord, it's only 20 miles from the house. Long story short, motor was bad. Tow it. Ended up with here's the, here's the what I want to tell you. So I get there, it's raining, it's cold, it's nasty. We're having to move all her stuff out of her car into my truck, just this close to home and everything else. And so I sit down in the pastor side, she's on the other side, and I get out the book, the warranty book, and I look at the top of 1 800. Hyundai warranty, whatever, and call the number. And the guy answers the phone. He says, Hyundai, warranty information, how can I help you? And I told him what was going on. And all this. And he said, well, it's under warranty. I said, okay. I said, oh, we've got AAA. He said, oh, no. The towing's under warranty. Everything's in. I said, that's great. You know? So he said, well, I've got to get some information. And he's typing. We're talking back and forth. And I'm, I, this time I'm out, I'm just walking around and stuff, and Emily just wants to be home. She's been on the road for four hours, she's broken, and I'm making small talk with this guy. Because I don't know how bad this situation is, and so I'm like, hey, where, where's y'all's call center? Where, where are you located? He said, well, we're by the airport. I said, which airport? He said, well, the Atlanta airport. I said, wow, that, that's pretty cool. I figured you'd be off somewhere. It's no one right here. I said, well, I grew up not far from there, Cobb County. He said, oh. I said, yeah, I went to the country. He said, me too. I said, you grew up in Cobb County? He said, yeah, I went to the country too. We kept talking. Found out how old he was when he graduated. He said, hold on a minute. Is Art Brandon your brother? I said, yeah, he's my middle brother. He said, we went to kindergarten all the way there. He said, I live right there around the curb on Patrick Springs Road. He said, I lived in the house I grew up in. He said, my mama was this. He said, my mama drove me by where y'all used to live not too long ago. He said, that's where Mr. Brady and his dad lived that used to run the grocery store where I used to take the grocery shop. Now, I'm sharing all this with you to tell you this. It didn't take me but one second to say, where is your call center located? I'm from that area that opened up a door that I know exactly who, is it, who he is, where he lived, what his background is, what his father died, his mother's still living, she moved here, where she lives now, everything that's going on by just a couple of questions. It don't take but one second to ask because people want you to ask them about themselves. Where do you work? What do you do for a living? And once you open that door, 
then you can start injecting the love of Jesus. Well, you've already done that because you said, I care about you enough to want to know who you're from, who you are, what do you do? I don't know about you, I like people asking. What do you do? Nothing I learned one day with. I told a girl that yesterday, we went to London. I said, Y'all got to work tomorrow? Well, they do. I'm off tomorrow, so I have to work every single Oh, really? But able to say, I'm a pastor and I love what I do. We need to understand, not only to consider that the world doesn't know it, the, dirt, the world doesn't own it. Herod wanted to kill him, and so God said, Go another way. The world doesn't want it. We've got to understand it when we go out. When God called me to preach, I was so excited what God was doing in my life. I figured everybody else would want it. Until they told me they did. So go in the eyes wide up the world that's the moment that they need. Have you ever, you ever took your child for shots knowing it's what they needed but they didn't want them? Ethan was about a year old. He stuck his finger through a hole on a metal table. When he pulled it out, slid it open. Had a shower at the church. About an hour before evening service, I had to come, take him to the hospital, get back to church. But I'll never forget. He brought me and said, well, it's going to take one or two stitches. <coughs> Ain't no big deal, whatever, you know. He's so young, he won't continue. They put him in that little papoose thing. Tightening, you know what it was. And they did it to where his hand was right there. And I'll never forget standing trying to soothe him, talk, and looking over at him. And you want to talk about radar laser eyes that burn a hole in my brain, down in my soul. My son, who could not verbalize at that time, words and everything else, still being a child, baby, he looked up at me with eyes that said, I cannot believe. You're letting him do this to me. Literally. I mean, rip my heart out. But you know what he needed? There's some things this world don't want to hear that they need to hear. I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear that I'm sorry and useless. But I need to hear that. Because without Jesus, I'm not. The world desperately needs it. So there's something to do. He said, verse 7 and 8. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. Now, he may not have wanted to know, but others did. You see, we have something to do. We need to share it with our kinfolk. Our loved ones need to hear about Jesus. We need to share it with our community. Claxton, Hagen, Belleville, Daisy, Evans County, Bullock County, Tackle County, Bryan County, everyone around here, and everyone in our community needs to hear about Jesus. They need to hear about Jesus. I'm talking about real stuff. Not talking about flow. Talking about we need to share Jesus. We need to share him with our country. You know there's still pockets of 
United States of America in God we trust that do not have Bible believing churches in them. We need to be sharing the gospel with our country. We need to share Jesus with the world. Listen, Lottie went to Christmas offering. We're, we're, we've not reached our goal yet. If you're not giving it, you pray about what you need to give. Lottie Moon Christmas offering for our international missionaries. Well, every dime, every penny goes to share the gospel of Jesus Christ around the globe. We need to share him with the world. You say, I just don't know what to do. Verse 7 said, when Harry Crabtree called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently. Why? Because he knew they were equipped. God had equipped them in their area of expertise. Listen, he said a star. What did they study? Star. God will speak to you right where you're at. It's sinner. He's just realizing he's God, you're not. You're a sinner, he's the Savior. Realizing the world needs him like never before. This could be the greatest Christmas. I can't preach it in you. I don't want to come from the song. I, I can talk about it all day. But ultimately, you've got to decide you want to sit. You want to kneel down before him. You want to worship him in recognition, humble recognition. You want to break. What are you going to give this Christmas? Man, you spend all the time in the world thinking of the most perfect gift. I've got some pretty cool gifts already from Sunday. I mean, very thought, thoughtful gives you right where I'm at. Things that you do that I'd appreciate. Things I've never got any other time. That's, that's really good. What do we give to Jesus? What do we bring? They brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What do you bring to Jesus? You know what he wants? He wants you all. We want you. They want you. We want you. All the rest will follow. As the buckets of heart and mouth speaks, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Put your treasure in Jesus. What do you want to bring to the Come, as the wise men came to the house, and they knelt humbly before him. You come humbly, you said. Kneel before the king. Say, I'm here to worship you. As we stand, come, come to Jesus.